This is Jason Stewart Percy, and you're listening to episode 10 of The Chaff and the Wheat. Let's read through Romans 1 again, and then we'll focus our, continue our focus on verses 16 and 17 and on what the gospel is as it's revealed uh, throughout a number of the writings in the New Testament. Romans 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Messiah, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the holy writings, the holy scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus the Messiah, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus the Messiah. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus the Messiah. First, I I thank my God through Jesus the Messiah for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established or strengthened. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me." Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is revealed in them, is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen." For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what's against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting." being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. 
They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Back up with me to verses 16 and 17. Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the good news of the Messiah, the gospel of the Messiah, for it, this news, is the power of God to save, to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the gospel, in this news, this good news, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, which we'll get to that in our reading as well. So, um, once again, this great news that Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and has been raised from the dead, where he is ready to receive anyone who comes to him, forgiving our sin and giving us eternal life bringing us into his kingdom and giving us his Holy Spirit. That's, of course, why we have eternal life. We are born from above when we trust him. So, um, this great news is a message. This message is to be received and believed. Our trust is to be put in the God that this message reveals to us as our confidence is in the truth that's being conveyed in this message. And there are results to this As we trust him, we receive the Holy Spirit and God begins to change who we are inside so that we begin to think and act and speak differently than we did before. And we begin to reflect more of God's character and we are continually being changed until the day that we die. We are being sanctified as those who follow Jesus. We are being set apart moment by moment by moment. And so, we ought to find ourselves living out the very righteousness and peace and joy of God's kingdom here. And that looks like something, right? Because faith without works is dead. It's not true faith. It's not really believing something. So, um, let's pick up In our reading through uh, several sections in the book of Acts, let's look at Acts chapter 17 as we focus on uh, what the gospel is and what it was as a message in the early church amongst those who were speaking and sharing uh, back then. So, Acts 17, uh, let's pick up in verse 1 of Acts 17, we'll read 1 through 4, and then we'll also read 16 through 34. Now, Acts 17 verse 1, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there, were, there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Shabbats, three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Messiah had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. Now, uh, picking up in Acts 17, uh, verse 16. Now, while, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. 
Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he isn't far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own prophets have said, for we are also his offspring." Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, to change their mind, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed, among them Dionysius the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Now, Acts chapter 24, beginning in verse 10. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may ascertain that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. Uh, Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men." Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. 
They, they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out, standing among them, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. Again, that focus, of course, on the resurrection. Now, Acts 26. Just move a couple of chapters along here as Paul continues uh, his um, a defense. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Acts 26 verse 1. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are, you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and uh, commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a servant, a minister, and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified, who are set apart by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, they should change their mind, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Messiah would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people 
and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but all also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Now, um, Paul continues uh, some thoughts in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. So let's flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll pick up uh, reading here in uh, verse 10, and we'll continue through chapter 2, verse 16. Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it's been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now, I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Kephas, or Peter, or I am of the Messiah. Is the Messiah divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I don't know whether I baptized any other. For the Messiah didn't send me to baptize, but to preach, to announce the good news, the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of the Messiah should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom didn't know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message announced, the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach the Messiah crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, the Messiah, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him You are in the Messiah, Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, 
I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus the Messiah and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching weren't with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of the Messiah. That is great news. <sighs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord Jesus make his face shine on you and be gracious with you. And the Lord Jesus lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.